Get ready to get your questions answered by financial advisors. Learn how to put more money back in your pockets regardless of where you're starting your financial journey with your host, Hannah Mitria. Before we jump back in, can you share with us again, Matt, about you, your company, and then we're going to jump into other things. Yeah, sure. So again, uh, it's Matt Francesco. I've been in uh, financial services for the last 16 years, and my focus has been in with the small to mid-sized family business, kind of helping them to navigate all the intricacies of that business. And my particular focus now is in the automotive repair, automotive collision space, but I work with a number of different family businesses that are out there. So that's why I think this stuff is so important because many times, many family businesses have never really thought beyond what's happening on the day-to-day basis. And these are really critical things because, you know, life throws wrenches to you and you need to be prepared for that to both not only protect yourself, but to protect your family and your business. So this one that you have here, Mm -hmm. this is where this becomes part of the the conversation. And again, we want to talk to the family about, you know, what are the exit objectives? I mean, maybe mom and dad are saying, look, we want to retire. All right. Mm -hmm. We want to step away. We're done. We're burned out. Okay. But again, we want to have the conversation with the family. Do any family members want to take over the business? Okay. Maybe one does and and another one doesn't, or maybe one does, but another one says, look, I don't like the operations end of the business, but I love marketing and maybe that's all I want to do. And so, you know, or maybe there's a niece or a nephew that wants to become part of the business. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's a key person within the business that is interested in the succession plan that we can then pull them in. So we start to identify what the the exit objectives are. Mm -hmm. You know, it could be that, like, like I said, maybe there's a family member, maybe there's a child who doesn't have an interest in the business, but maybe has an interest in doing another type of business. Maybe we can utilize part of our exit objectives is to help create this other business under what I call the family umbrella, Mm -hmm. right? That satisfies the needs of that other family member. Yeah. So does that make sense? Uh, You know, how we're kind of trying to put these things together, but this all comes out of these family meetings that we do. So that's where we determine what are the true objectives? You know, I think a lot of business owners come in and they've never really had those conversations with their family. And they're thinking, this is the only option I have. And all of a sudden we start opening up the the dialogue. And now all of a sudden they say, well, we've got lots of different options. We've got this, we've got that, we've got this, we've got that. And now we can help to direct all of this. And that's, I think the most satisfying thing of what Mm -hmm. I do is to see the family start to come together and create something bigger than themselves. Yeah, no, I definitely understand like where you're going with it. And it's kind of interesting because I know you said like for that to be a high one online, you know, you kind of like interesting as to how, and it makes me wonder how to, in a way, because, you know, we're not looking to exit today. And I don't know, like, are we a family business? It's kind of interesting. Like I definitely think of our whole team as a family. Right. Right. I don't think of any of them taking this business over right now. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But I think in a way, like, you know, me and Darion, the co-founder of Be Eminent are always looking at like, okay, so if we were to sell, and our face is the only face on, on all the social medias. Right. Is it harder to sell? Not that we plan on selling it anytime soon, but we're trying to make the eminent be the company, be eminent, not running because Hannah and Darion are amazing. You know, yeah. yeah. The eminent itself is a company. And so I don't know, maybe that's why the exit objectives was a little bit higher for us because we are always thinking of if we were to leave, are we positioned to be able to leave? 
if we were to sell this, the business right. is not dependent on us. So do you think that yes. kind of played a role into why exit objectives was so high? Right. Right. And well, and, and what's interesting is, and I think that also leads into kind of the third part of the uh, project that we typically do with clients. So we do the bit, you know, we'll like the business continuity plan. That's easy. Again, we do the basic valuation, just, you know, they provide, they can either provide us with uh, three years of tax returns, or we can just send a link directly to their CPA who can fill it in. Okay. okay. But then the third part is what we call the value drivers uh, report. Mm-hmm. And what the value drivers report, and that's more of that's when we're talking about this 90 day project, and that's really the key thing. So what like, so like in your case, what I would do is say, okay, you know, uh, Hannah and, and Darian and any other key players that you want is I would have you do this, another survey like this, that is basically just on value drivers. And, and these are the things within your business that we can work on to help drive the value of the business up. So, and that's going to, you know, when we start looking at things like, well, again, on the, I'll just go back to your, your little pie chart here. You look at things like, you know, again, your value drivers, that's one of them, asset protection, business consideration, successor development. These can all work with the value drivers report. So we send links out, you guys do the, the reports. Now this will be a much more in much more detail. Yeah. The value drivers report, but each individual, each key player will, will be doing these. All right. So then we get the reports. Then what I do is then I send each person's individual report to them. We schedule, we basically schedule a meeting with all those key players. And typically we'll bring the CPA in too. And sometimes the business, uh, business attorney, depending on where some of these drivers are coming out, and then we'll have a meeting, but I'll tell everybody to look at your own value drivers report. And I want you to familiarize yourself before the meeting. So then we all come together in a meeting, whether it's in person or via Zoom or however we can do it, because you guys are kind of spread out all over the place. We would probably do that via Zoom. Somebody that's in one spot, we would do that on location. But so what we do is then we look at these value drivers reports and we start to identify what were the highest ones on each people. We try to find out where are their consensus on what areas. And so we'll start to whittle these things down. So, you know, there's about 18 different value drivers in the report. So, you know, maybe, you know, initially we find about six that everybody has in commonality. Then we'll kind of look and say, okay, let's take a vote. Which ones are the most important? And what we want to do is we, because nobody can try to work on six things at one time. There's no way. 18 is out of the question. But what we'll do is we'll say, look, let's find two. And maybe we'll put a third as just a backup, just in case we get the other two done within the 90-day period. And these are the things that we're going to work on to help drive the value of the business up. Okay. So, I mean, and I mean, there's a number of different factors that that could be involved. It may have uh, something to do with customer service. It may have something to do with um, key financials, uh, maybe, you know, or um, keeping track of KPIs, those type of things. And so, again, we bring the team together and we identify like those two. And then again, we'll sometimes get a third just as a backup in case we would get two of them done in that 90 day period. And so then we would all work together on a regular basis. We'd meet on a regular basis, kind of do progress reports. Where do we stand? Hold people accountable, you know, who's ever in charge of whichever area. And and so we'll work on these things. And so now we got two things that are done after a 90 day period. And then maybe the next 90 day period, we do another two things, you know, some businesses like, so for example, in the collision industry, 
in my area in the Northeast, because of winters, the real busy season is basically between mid-September through April. Okay. And it's because the weather's starting to turn, you know, we have deer here. So, you know, deer start rutting. There's lots of deer hits. So that's a real busy time. Like, so a lot of times we can't attack any of these things because they're just cranking cars through at that point. But then once we get through about April, we have about eight, like mid April, May, June, July, August, that might be the period of time where we work on some of these value drivers to try to increase the value of the business. Okay. You know, my business is similar marketing business. Maybe you, you know, you don't have any layovers like that. So maybe we, maybe we have to minimize Maybe we say we're only going to work on one or two because you know we, we have to do the day-to-day things too. So, so again, it's going to be customized. It's really what the group can agree upon is this is a realistic number of things and timeline to be able to accomplish them, but we want to constantly be making progress in doing that. Yeah. Uh, one thing that kind of came to mind, and it could be okay. completely irrelevant, but it kind of, of would somebody, so almost, they, I guess they're called like serial entrepreneurs, people that are like starting business to sell business, starting business to sell business. Is this something that they would be going through almost from the beginning to set up a business to exit it too? Because I know we're going to have listeners of every scope. Right. So I know that, you know, you personally are keyed in, especially with family businesses, but could these same concepts be applied to like a serial entrepreneur wanting to start a business and sell it. Oh, of course. I mean, this is basically what they would need to do, mm-hmm. the, the serial entrepreneur. I mean, it's, you know, you go in, you start a business and you want, you, the, the main thing is you're looking, you're looking right away to exit it. So what do we need to do to increase the value of the business to maximize the price? And then how do we structure the deal to minimize the taxes? Okay. So yeah, these are all conversations that you're going to have. I mean, they're just going to be accelerating this process, you know, so they're actually going to be looking at exit planning, which is going to include value drivers, which is going to include continuity. I mean, it's all, it all kind of works together, but mm-hmm. like in your case, we wouldn't be looking at the exit objectives per se, and then looking at the structure. How do we need to structure the deals to be able to do that? Where the serial entrepreneur who's looking to get in, build it and exit it, you know, sell it for a bunch and then move on to the next thing, we would accelerate that process. And then, so that jumps to a different question there. So as a person who's not looking to exit, like I tell uh, Darian all the time, like I'm going to die working for BM and it's still, of course, in different capacities right. and everything like that. But I just don't plan to retire. That's not, mm-hmm. that's not a dream of mine. Right. <laughs> that's yeah, weird yeah. As that could be. So what are those key things I be, should be focusing in exit objective? I know written continuity is key because, you know, if I never want to retire, eventually I'm going to die and we need to have that plan of what happens, why that happens. <laughs> um, but in the exit objective, so we go through that evaluation drivers call, And so what are those key things that you focus on where, you know, you're not looking to exit, but you still want to drive value. So when something happens, it's there. Yeah. So again, it's funny because I'm in that same situation. Like I always tell people, my retirement plans face down on my desk because I love what I do. I love working with the clients. And as long as I'm physically and mentally capable of doing it, I, I want to continue to do it. Now I've built a lifestyle practice too, so I can still go have fun. But if I was like completely retired, I'd be bored out of my head. I mean, there's only so much golf you can play. There's only, you know, so many tree stands you can sit in, you know, you want, you know, you want to be able to do other things. 
Mm-hmm. And so like, so that's kind of where I am. So I'm not looking at a, maybe a full-blown exit, but I think some of the things you need to consider is again, raising the value of the business. So that's where the mm-hmm. va- value drivers report comes in successor development. That's another one that's on your list here. Maybe you want to start taking a different role. So like right here is this, you know, you right here, you have the successor development. So at mm-hmm. some point, maybe you're saying, look, I, I'm not going to retire. I don't want to exit the business, but I want to kind of take a different role with the business. I'll give you, I'll give you a great example. So one of my collision guys, you know, we've been going through this process and, and he's now at the point where he still wants to maintain some ownership, but he doesn't want to deal with the day-to-day stuff. He's, he's a big, he's, a, he's very entrepreneurial in the way he thinks. And so he's very big picture and he's, but he's very good at putting together processes and things like that. But he wants to work more on a, as a consultant for the, uh, mm-hmm. for the business and have his son and his key man, they would basically be the drivers in the business. Okay. Yeah. So again, it's helping the client to identify what those things are. And then now what we're working on is we're doing successor development with them. So we've been working on the value drivers report, you know, and how do we increase the value of the business and getting them directly involved. So now they're doing more of this kind of uh, a more strategic planning that they really haven't done before. They're more like doing day-to-day sort of operations. So we're starting now to work them into, um, into strategic planning. We also look at putting in, you know, again, we want to look at putting in things because the key guys, like he's one of, he's one of his leadership guys. How do we compensate him properly? Okay. (laughs) And so, you know, looking at different vehicles to be able to do that. How do we protect in case something would happen to him? You know, that might be looking at like key man insurance policies where, you know, something happens to him, there would be, you know, the death benefit would go to be able to hire somebody who could fill his role. Mm-hmm. And then keep the business moving. How do we then help the the business owner to transition to a newer role? And also, this is what's interesting in family businesses is how do we keep mom and dad from sticking their nose in everything that allowing <laughs> them, allowing the kids to run yeah. the business. This is because I, I tell people all the time, I said, really my job, the, the financial end is pretty simple. Like the, we have all these pieces of the puzzle and then it's utilizing these resources to figure out the pieces of the puzzle. Mm-hmm. The challenge is, is the psychology of everybody that's involved. And I say, I'm always, I'm 10% financial guy, 90% psychologist, because that's what we have to do a lot of times in these, in these situations. So I think in your case, you know, we'd want to look at, again, value drivers, raising the value to business. What can we do there? Starting to look. And I mean, this would be an ongoing process as, you know, who could be the person that takes over the day-to-day stuff that you do. So maybe you want to become more strategic. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we start looking at successor development in that areas. How do we protect the assets in the business? Okay. So your risk management is a huge thing that, that we do. And it's, again, you know, we look at death, we look at disability, we look at, uh, you know, other key drivers that are out there, competition that's coming in. I mean, you know, you're in marketing and how many thousands of marketing firms are out, are out there, correct? Oh, <laughs> might be a millions. It feels like sometimes. <laughs> uh, exactly. Exactly. And so, you know, like I've got a partner of mine who she's, she's a marketing specialist in the collision industry specifically. Okay. So, you know, how do we protect ourselves from these different threats that are out there? Okay. Mm -hmm. And, you know, some of that is actually even building cash reserves, you know, putting a plan together for that business owner to build cash reserves. COVID is a great example. 
All right. I mean, when COVID hit now in the collision industry, they were considered an essential uh, business. So they were able to continue to run. But I had a one of my clients was an advertising agency. Well, guess what? The first thing the companies were cutting when COVID hit. Yeah. Advertising. All right. So but, you know, thankfully, before COVID, we had been building these processes and we had developed ample cash reserves that they could continue to function. All right. Even through this, this event. So these are all the ways that we can help to protect the business and it's just different strategies. And we've got to identify what are those key things. And I think that kind of starts to all come out in the value drivers report. Yeah, no, that's very interesting. Cause you think about, especially cash reserves and just like you talked about your collision or not the collision, the propane and what's it, the propane company where they yep. kept telling them to buy truck trucks. Yep. No, that was excavating. Yeah, it was the excavating. Excavating. Yeah. <laughs> Kept telling them to buy trucks. And, you know, I think it's a big thing where, you know, we get so worried that if we have this much cash, the government's just going to tax it. And right. so it falls into that tax um, minimization too. And looking at all those different ways to make sure. So whenever you tell them to have that much cash balance, are you still having them invest that cash? Or is that cash just sitting in a bank account waiting in case something were to happen? It's usually cash reserves, emergency fund. Okay. Typically, and I do this with personal clients too, because I still have some personal clients that I work with, but you know, I recommend everybody, you know, you need to build that cash reserve fund. And I usually want to keep them anywhere between three to 12 months on a personal level, usually uh, for a business, it's 12 to 24 months of operating cash on hand. Now, how you structure that is entirely up to you. What my clients typically do, what we, the strategy that we use is we typically have about a third of that just completely liquid, all right? Mm -hmm. Money market account. uh, It's not going to earn anything, but it's immediately available. The second third, we might look at some different uh, cash alternatives that could earn us a little more than what the the money market may make, but still have liquidity. So we might look at um, ultra short bonds. It's getting more difficult now under this uh, as interest rates are going up. It's uh, but but you know w- sometimes we have to get creative with these things. But it might be ultra short bonds. It might be um, it might be municipal bonds. I mean sometimes that can be like a municipal bond fund. Mm-hmm. That could still be liquid. That we could still, if we needed that that cash, it would be available. And then the last third, we might look at very conservatively tax managed uh, investments. Okay, so that we can kind of kick up some more growth. So we'll look at maybe putting some growth stocks in there. Uh, I use municipal bonds a lot because I know municipal bonds. And again, any income off that's tax free but we want to minimize any tax liability that's on that money. So it's kind of a third, third, third. That's typically how I like to work it. No, I love that. And I know that, you know, you're not giving tax advice in any way. You're not actually giving advice. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) I forgot my own disclaimer. (laughs) That's why we do your marketing. That's right. I appreciate that. Yeah. So it's not any actual advice, but I like just, you know, knowing that there are options and to talk to a financial advisor about those options so that you're not worried about your, ta- your cash is sitting there right. because one, you want it to be able to grow whether or not you're using it. Yes. I know through a, a little question there, that was a little out exactly. of the field. So I want to make sure they know not tax well, advice, not financial advice, just financial stories. Yes. Well, and I think that's, I, I think that's a key point because, because I don't provide I, like, you know, I, I know enough about this stuff to be dangerous, but your tax professional is exactly that. So I want to work in conjunction with the CPA. I may come and say to the client, hey, here's a recommendation. Here's an idea. But 
we got to, let's talk to the CPA first. I mean, we got to get his blessing before we do anything because mm-hmm. he may see it from a completely different perspective. And now we can kind of work through what's the best option for, for the client. You know, I, I never profess to be the expert in every area. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, like I said, I know a lot about taxes. I know how to structure deals from a tax standpoint, but I always want to bring the CPA in. I know how to structure businesses and exit plans from a legal standpoint, but eventually mm-hmm. we need to bring the business attorney in to be able to draft the documents to do it properly. But it's a collaborative effort when we do these things. Yeah. I'll give you a great example uh, in the collision industry. Like I said, I'm not an operations person and maybe part of that value drivers report has to do with operations. Well, I have it part of my network and part of my team are people that do specifically that. So I will bring them in and say, look, from an operation standpoint, I, I can't run a collision shop, but these people can help you to do it. But then I'm again, I'm that 411. I'm kind of I'm the quarterback. I'm helping to broker, not to broker, but to basically help everybody communicate so that because I know the overall plan that we want to accomplish. And so that's where I facilitate in these areas. Yeah. And that's so true to so many industries. Like, you know, if even think of the auto industry, right? If your car is broken down, you're going to take it to a mechanic. However, if you just have a flat tire, you might take it to you know, discount tires, right? Each person and they work together. Whereas you go to discount tires, they're not changing your brakes for you. They're yeah. going to send you somewhere else. And same with oil changes, things like that. And so even in the marketing world, like we don't work with influencer marketing, that's not where we are, but we, you know, know places that you can go and we're going to be able to find those pieces for you. So that's exactly what you're doing in the financial right. industry. You know, you're in your zone of genius and you're helping to bring together the different parties right. because they're so intertwined with your finances, your business, your life, and all those things. Each person's financial plan is different. To take your financial assessment with Matt, go to highliftfinancial.com and click let's talk. On the next episode of Virtual U.S. Financial Advisor Podcast, we will continue with Matt as we dive into how employee retention is a part of your financial plan. Thank you for joining us this week on the Virtual U.S. Financial Advisor Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or via RSS so you'll never miss an episode. We'd love rating on iTunes or better yet, tell a friend about the show, which will help us grow as well. If you want to learn from any of our financial advisors, head over to our website, virtualusfinancialadvisor.com to learn more about each financial advisor and connect with them personally. Be sure to tune in next week to get more advice from the expert financial advisors. See you on the next episode.